Hello, and welcome to the Dozing Off Podcast. I'm your host and narrator, Lance Lewis. In this podcast, I'll read short stories and classic literature in this deep and relaxing tone. Meant for the people that, when their head hits the pillow at night, their mind just seems to run riot, and they need something they can press play to, listen to, and fall asleep to. In tonight's episode, we'll be reading two classic fairy tales from Charles Perrault. I'll be narrating Puss in Boots and The Fairy. Last week I mentioned that I started an Instagram. This week, I actually started doing daily poetry on TikTok, so look that up at the Dozing Off Podcast as well. As always, if you're tuning in, I appreciate it more than you could ever imagine. And, here we go. Puss in Boots There was a miller who left no more estate to the three sons he had than his mill, his ass, and his cat. The partition was soon made. Neither the scrivener nor attorney were sent for. They would soon have eaten up all the poor patrimony. The eldest had the mill, the second the ass, and the youngest nothing but the cat. The poor young fellow was quite comfortless at having so poor a lot. My brothers, said he, may get their living handsomely enough by joining their stocks together. But for my part, when I have eaten up my cat and made me a muff of his skin, I must die with hunger. The cat, who heard all this, but made as if he did not, said to him with a grave and serious air, Do not thus afflict yourself, my good master. You have only to give me a bag and get a pair of boots made for me that I may scamper through the dirt and the brambles, and you shall see that you have not so bad a portion of me as you imagine. Though the cat's master did not build very much upon what he said, he had, however, often seen him play a great many cunning tricks to catch rats and mice, as when he used to hang by the heels or hide himself in the meal and make as if he were dead. so he did not altogether despair of his affording him some help in his miserable condition. When the cat had what he asked for, he booted himself very gallantly, and putting his bag about his neck, he held the strings of it in his two fore paws, and went into a warren where was great abundance of rabbits. He put bran and sow thistle into his bag, and stretching himself out at length, as if he had been dead, he waited for some young rabbit, not yet acquainted with the deceits of the world, 
to come around and rummage his bag for what he had put into it. Scarce was he laying down, but he had what he wanted. A rash and foolish young rabbit jumped into his bag. And Monsieur Puss, immediately drawing close the strings, took and killed him without pity. Proud of his prey, he went with it to the palace and asked to speak with his majesty. He was shooed upstairs into the king's apartment and making a low reverence said to him, I have brought you, sir, a rabbit of the warren which my noble lord, the Marquis of Carabas, for that was the title which Puss was pleased to give his master, has commanded me to present to your majesty from him. Tell thy master, said the king, that I thank him, and that he does me a great deal of pleasure. Another time he went and hid himself among some standing corn, holding still bags open. And when a brace of partridges ran into it, he drew the strings, and so caught them both. He went and made a present of these to the king, as he had done before of the rabbit which he took in the warren. The king, in like manner, received the partridges with great pleasure and ordered him some money to drink. The cat continued for two or three months, thus to carry his majesty from time to time, game of his master's taking. One day in particular, when he knew for certain that the king was to take the air along the river's side with his daughter, the most beautiful princess in the world, he said to his master, If you follow my advice, your fortune is made. You have nothing else to do but go and wash yourself in the river. In that part I shall shew you and leave the rest to me. The Marquis of Carabas did what the cat advised him to without knowing why or wherefore. While he was washing, the king passed by, and the cat began to cry out as loud as he could, Help! Help! My lord Marquis of Carabas is drowning! At this noise, the king put his head out of his coach window, and finding it was the cat who had so often brought him such a good game, he commanded his guards to run immediately to assistance of his lordship, the Marquis of Carabas. While they were drawing the poor Marquis out of the river, the cat came up to the coach and told the king that while his master was washing, there came by some rogues who went off with his clothes, though he had cried out, Thieves! Thieves! several times, as loud as he could. This cunning cat had hidden them under a great stone. The king immediately commanded the officers of his wardrobe to run and fetch one of his best suits for the Lord Marquis of Carabas. The king received him with great kindness, and as the fine clothes he had given him extremely set off his good mien, for he was well made and very handsome in person. The king's daughter took a secret inclination to him, 
and the Marquise of Carabas had no sooner cast two or three respectful and somewhat tender glances. But she fell in love with them to distraction. The king would needs have him come into his coach and take part of the airing. The cat, quite overjoyed to see his project begin to succeed, marched on before, and meeting with some countrymen who were mowing a meadow, he said to them, Good people, you who are mowing, if you do not tell the king that the meadow you mow belongs to my lord Marquis of Carabas, you shall be chopped as small as mince meat. The king did not fail asking of the mowers to whom the meadow they were mowing belonged. To my lord Marquis of Carabas, answered they all together, for the cat's threats had made them terribly afraid. Truly a fine estate, said the king to Marquis of Carabas. You see, sir, said the Marquis, this is a meadow which never fails to yield a plentiful harvest every year. The master cat, who still went on before, met with some reapers and said to them, Good people, you who are reaping, if you do not tell the king that all this corn belongs to the Marquis of Carabas, you shall be chopped as small as mince meat. The king, who passed by a moment after, would needs know to whom all that corn which he then saw did belong. To my lord Marquis of Carabas, replied the reapers, and the king again congratulated the Marquis. The master cat, who went always before, said the same words to all he met, and the king was astonished at the vast estates of my lord Marquis of Carabas. Monsieur Puss came at last to a stately castle, the master of which was an ogre. The richest had ever been known, for all the lands which the king had then gone over belonged to this castle. The cat, who had taken care to inform himself who this ogre was and what he could do, asked to speak with him, saying he could not pass so near his castle without having the honor of paying his respects to him. The ogre received him as civilly as an ogre could do and made him sit down. I have been assured, said the cat, that you have the gift of being able to change yourself into all sorts of creatures you have mind to. You can, for example, transform yourself into a lion or elephant or the like. This is true, answered the ogre very briskly, and to convince you, you shall see me now become a lion. Puss was so sadly terrified at the sight of a lion so near him, that he immediately got into the gutter, not without abundance of trouble and danger because of his boots, which were ill-suited for walking upon the tiles. A little while after, when Puss saw the ogre had resumed his natural form, he came down and owned he had been very much frightened. 
I have been moreover conformed, said the cat, but I know not how to believe it, that you have also the power to take on you the shape of the smallest animals. For example, to change yourself into a rat or a mouse. But I must own to you, I take this to be impossible. Impossible, cried the ogre. You shall see that presently. And at the same time, change into a mouse and began to run about the floor. Puss no sooner perceived this, but he fell upon him and ate him up. Meanwhile, the king who saw as he passed this fine castle of the ogres had a mind to go into it. Puss, who heard the noise of his majesty's coach running over the drawbridge, ran out and said to the king, Your majesty is welcome to this castle of my lord Marquis of Carabas. What? My lord Marquis? cried the king. And does this castle also belong to you? There can be nothing finer than this court and all the stately buildings which surround it. Let us go into it, if you please. The Marquis gave his hand to the princess and followed the king, who went up first. They passed into a spacious hall, where they found a magnificent coalition which the ogre had prepared for his friends, who were that very day to visit him, but dared not to enter knowing the king was there. His Majesty was perfectly charmed with the good qualities of my Lord Marquis of Carabas, as was his daughter, who was fallen violently in love with him. And seeing the vast estate he possessed, said to him, after having drank five or six glasses, It will be owing to yourself only, my Lord Marquis, if you are not my son-in-law. The Marquis, making several low bows, accepted the honor which his majesty conferred upon him, and forthwith, the very same day, married the princess. Puss became a great lord, and never ran after mice any more, but only for his diversion. The Fairy There was once upon a time a widow who had two daughters. The eldest was so much like her in the face and humor that whoever looked upon the daughter saw the mother. They were both so disagreeable and so proud that there was no living with them. The youngest, who was the very picture of her father for courtesy and sweetness of temper, was withal one of the most beautiful girls ever seen. As people naturally love their own likeness, this mother even doted on her eldest daughter, and at the same time had a horrible aversion for the youngest. She made her eat in the kitchen and work continually. Among other things, this poor child was forced twice a day to draw water above a mile and a half of the house and bring home a pitcher full of it. One day, as she was at this fountain, there came to her a poor woman who begged of her to let her drink. 
OA, with all my heart, goody, said this pretty maid, and rinsing immediately to the pitcher, she took up some water from the clearest place of the fountain and gave it to her, holding up the pitcher all the while that she might drink the easier. The good woman, having a drink, said to her, You are so very pretty, my dear, so good and so mannerly, that I cannot help giving you a gift. For this was a fairy who had taken the form of a poor country woman. To see how far the civility and good manners of this pretty girl would go. I will give you a gift, said the fairy, that every word you speak there shall come out of your mouth either a flower or a jewel. When this pretty girl came home, her mother scolded at her for staying so long at the fountain. I beg your pardon, Mama, said the poor girl, for not making more haste. And in speaking these words, there came out of her mouth two roses, two pearls, and two diamonds. What is this I see? said her mother, quite astonished. I think I see pearls and diamonds come out of the girl's mouth. How happens this, child? This was the first time she ever called her child. The poor creature told her frankly all the matter, now without dropping out infinite numbers of diamonds. In good faith, cried the mother, I must send my child thither. Come hither, Fanny. Look what comes out thy sister's mouth when she speaks. Wouldst not thou be glad, my dear, to have the same gift given to thee? Thou hast nothing else to do but go and draw water out of the fountain. And when a certain poor woman asked thee to let her drink, to give it her very civilly, it would be a very fine sight indeed, said this ill-bred minx, to see me go draw water. You shall go, hussy said the mother, and this minute. So away she went, but grumbling all the way, taking with her the best silver tankard in the house. She was no sooner at the fountain than she saw coming out of the wood a lady most gloriously dressed who came up to her and asked to drink. This was, you must know, the very fairy who appeared to her sister, but had now taken the air and dress of a princess to see how far the girl's rudeness would go. Am I come hither, said the proud saucy slut, to serve you with water, pray? I suppose the silver tankard was brought purely for your ladyship, was it? However, you may drink out of it if you have a fancy. You are not over and above mannerly, answered the fairy, without putting herself in a passion. Well then, since you have so little breeding and are so disobliging, I give you for gift that at every word you speak there shall come out of your mouth a snake or a toad. So soon as her mother saw her coming, she cried out, Well, daughter? Well, mother? answered the pert hussy, throwing out of her mouth two vipers and two toads. Oh, mercy, cried.
cried the mother. What is it I see? Oh, it is that wretch her sister was occasioned all this. But she shall pay for it. And immediately she ran to beat her. The poor child fled away from her and went to hide herself in the forest, not far from thence. The king's son, then on his return from hunting, met her and seeing her so very pretty, asked her what she'd done there alone and why she cried. Alas, sir, my mamma has turned me outdoors. The king's son, who saw five or six pearls and as many diamonds come out of her mouth, desired her to tell him how that happened. She thereupon told him the whole story. And so the king's son fell in love with her, and considering with himself that such a gift was worth more than any marriage portion whatsoever in another, conducted her to the palace of the king, his father, and there married her. As for her sister, she made herself so much hated that her own mother turned her off. And the miserable wretch, having wandered about a good while without finding anybody to take her in, went to a corner in the wood and there died. Puss in Boots There was a miller who left no more estate to the three sons he had than his mill, his ass, and his cat. The partition was soon made. Neither the scrivener nor attorney were sent for. They would soon have eaten up all the poor patrimony. The eldest had the mill, the second the ass, and the youngest nothing but the cat. The poor young fellow was quite comfortless at having so poor a lot. My brothers, said he, may get their living handsomely enough by joining their stocks together, but for my part, when I have eaten up my cat and made me a muff of his skin, I must die with hunger. The cat, who heard all this, but made as if he did not, said to him with a grave and serious air, Do not thus afflict yourself, my good master. You have only to give me a bag, and get a pair of boots made for me, that I may scamper through the dirt and the brambles, and you shall see that you have not so bad a portion of me as you imagine. Though the cat's master did not build very much upon what he said, he had, however, often seen him play a great many cunning tricks to catch rats and mice, as when he used to hang by the heels or hide himself in the meal and make as if he were dead. So he did not altogether despair of his affording him some help in his miserable condition. When the cat had what he asked for, he booted himself very gallantly, and putting his bag about his neck, he held the strings of it in his two fore paws, and went into a warren where was great abundance of rabbits. He put bran and sow thistle into his bag, 
and stretching himself out at length, as if he had been dead, he waited for some young rabbit, not yet acquainted with the deceits of the world, to come around and rummage his bag for what he had put into it. Scarce was he laying down, but he had what he wanted. A rash and foolish young rabbit jumped into his bag, and Monsieur Puss, immediately drawing close the strings, took and killed him without pity. Proud of his prey, he went with it to the palace and asked to speak with his majesty. He was shooed upstairs into the king's apartment and making a low reverence said to him, I have brought you, sir, a rabbit of the warren which my noble lord, the Marquis of Carabas, for that was the title which Puss was pleased to give his master, has commanded me to present to your majesty from him. Tell thy master, said the king, that I thank him, and that he does me a great deal of pleasure. Another time he went and hid himself among some standing corn, holding still bags open. And when a brace of partridges ran into it, he drew the strings, and so caught them both. He went and made a present of these to the king, as he had done before of the rabbit which he took in the warren. The king, in like manner, received the partridges with great pleasure, and ordered him some money to drink. The cat continued for two or three months, thus to carry his majesty from time to time game of his master's taking. One day in particular, when he knew for certain that the king was to take the air along the riverside with his daughter, the most beautiful princess in the world, he said to his master, If you follow my advice, your fortune is made. You have nothing else to do but go and wash yourself in the river. In that part, I shall shoe you and leave the rest to me. The Marquis of Carabas did what the cat advised him to, without knowing why or wherefore. While he was washing, the king passed by, and the cat began to cry out as loud as he could, Help! Help! My lord Marquis of Carabas is drowning! At this noise, the king put his head out of his coach window. In finding it was the cat who had so often brought him such a good game, he commanded his guards to run immediately to assistance of his lordship, the Marquis of Carabas. While they were drawing the poor Marquis out of the river, the cat came up to the coach and told the king that while his master was washing, there came by some rogues who went off with his clothes though he had cried out, thieves, thieves, several times, as loud as he could. This cunning cat had hidden them under a great stone. The king immediately commanded the officers of his wardrobe to run and fetch one of his best suits for the Lord Marquis of Carabas. The king received him with great kindness and as the fine clothes he had given him extremely set off his good mien, 
for he was well made and very handsome in person. The king's daughter took a secret inclination to him, and the Marquis of Carabas had no sooner cast two or three respectful and somewhat tender glances. But she fell in love with them to distraction. The king would needs have him come into his coach and take part of the airing. The cat, quite overjoyed to see his project begin to succeed, marched on before, and meeting with some countrymen who were mowing a meadow, he said to them, Good people, you who are mowing, if you do not tell the king that the meadow you mow belongs to my lord Marquis of Carabas, you shall be chopped as small as mince meat. The king did not fail asking of the mowers to whom the meadow they were mowing belonged. To my lord Marquis of Carabas, answered they all together, for the cat's threats had made them terribly afraid. Truly a fine estate, said the king to Marquis of Carabas. You see, sir, said the Marquis, this is a meadow which never fails to yield a plentiful harvest every year. The master cat, who still went on before, met with some reapers and said to them, Good people, you who are reaping, if you do not tell the king that all this corn belongs to the Marquis of Carabas, you shall be chopped as small as mince meat. The king, who passed by a moment after, would needs know to whom all that corn which he then saw did belong. To my lord Marquis of Carabas, replied the reapers, and the king again congratulated the Marquis. The master cat, who went always before, said the same words to all he met, and the king was astonished at the vast estates of my lord Marquis of Carabas. Monsieur Puss came at last to a stately castle, the master of which was an ogre, the richest had ever been known, for all the lands which the king had then gone over belonged to this castle. The cat, who had taken care to inform himself who this ogre was and what he could do, asked to speak with him, saying he could not pass so near his castle without having the honor of paying his respects to him. The ogre received him as civilly as an ogre could do and made him sit down. I have been assured, said the cat, that you have the gift of being able to change yourself into all sorts of creatures you have mind to. You can, for example, transform yourself into a lion or elephant or the like. This is true, answered the ogre very briskly, and to convince you, you shall see me now become a lion. Puss was so sadly terrified at the sight of a lion so near him, that he immediately got into the gutter, not without abundance of trouble and danger because of his boots, which were ill-suited for walking upon the tiles. A little while after, 
when Puss saw the ogre had resumed his natural form. He came down and owned he had been very much frightened. I have been moreover conformed, said the cat, but I know not how to believe it, that you have also the power to take on you the shape of the smallest animals. For example, to change yourself into a rat or a mouse. But I must own to you, I take this to be impossible. Impossible, cried the ogre. You shall see that presently. And at the same time, change into a mouse and began to run about the floor. Puss no sooner perceived this, but he fell upon him and ate him up. Meanwhile, the king who saw as he passed this fine castle of the ogres had a mind to go into it. Puss, who heard the noise of his majesty's coach running over the drawbridge, ran out and said to the king, Your majesty is welcome to this castle of my lord Marquis of Carabas. What? My lord Marquis? cried the king. And does this castle also belong to you? There can be nothing finer than this court, and all the stately buildings which surround it. Let us go into it, if you please. The Marquis gave his hand to the princess and followed the king, who went up first. They passed into a spacious hall, where they found a magnificent coalition which the ogre had prepared for his friends, who were that very day to visit him but dared not to enter, knowing the king was there. His majesty was perfectly charmed with the good qualities of my lord Marquis of Carabas, as was his daughter, who was fallen violently in love with him. And seeing the vast estate he possessed, said to him, after having drank five or six glasses, It will be owing to yourself only, my lord Marquis, if you are not my son-in-law. The Marquis, making several low bows, accepted the honor which his majesty conferred upon him, and forthwith, the very same day, married the princess. Puss became a great lord, and never ran after mice any more, but only for his diversion. The Fairy There was once upon a time a widow who had two daughters. The eldest was so much like her in the face and humor that whoever looked upon the daughter saw the mother. They were both so disagreeable and so proud that there was no living with them. The youngest, who was the very picture of her father for courtesy and sweetness of temper, was withal one of the most beautiful girls ever seen. As people naturally love their own likeness, this mother even doted on her eldest daughter, and at the same time had a horrible aversion for the youngest. She made her eat in the kitchen and work continually. Among other things, this poor child was forced twice a day to draw water above a mile and a half of the house and bring home a pitcher.
pitcher full of it. One day, as she was at this fountain, there came to her a poor woman who begged of her to let her drink. Oh, eh, with all my heart, goody, said this pretty maid, and rinsing immediately to the pitcher, she took up some water from the clearest place of the fountain and gave it to her, holding up the pitcher all the while that she might drink the easier. The good woman, having a drink, said to her, You are so very pretty, my dear, so good and so mannerly, that I cannot help giving you a gift. For this was a fairy who had taken the form of a poor country woman. To see how far the civility and good manners of this pretty girl would go. I will give you a gift, said the fairy that every word you speak, there shall come out of your mouth either a flower or a jewel. When this pretty girl came home, her mother scolded at her for staying so long at the fountain. I beg your pardon, Mama, said the poor girl, for not making more haste. And in speaking these words, there came out of her mouth two roses, two pearls, and two diamonds. What is this I see? said her mother, quite astonished. I think I see pearls and diamonds come out of the girl's mouth. How happens this, child? This was the first time she ever called her child. The poor creature told her frankly all the matter, now without dropping out infinite numbers of diamonds. In good faith, cried the mother, I must send my child thither. Come hither, Fanny. Look what comes out thy sister's mouth when she speaks. Wouldst not thou be glad, my dear, to have the same gift given to thee? Thou hast nothing else to do but go and draw water out of the fountain. And when a certain poor woman asked thee to let her drink, to give it her very civilly, it would be a very fine sight indeed, said this ill-bred minx to see me go draw water. You shall go, hussy, said the mother, and this minute. So away she went, but grumbling all the way, taking with her the best silver tankard in the house. She was no sooner at the fountain than she saw coming out of the wood a lady most gloriously dressed who came up to her and asked to drink. This was, you must know, the very fairy who appeared to her sister, but had now taken the air and dress of a princess to see how far the girl's rudeness would go. Am I come hither, said the proud saucy slut, to serve you with water, pray? I suppose the silver tankard was brought purely for your ladyship, was it? However, you may drink out of it, if you have a fancy. You are not over and above mannerly, answered the fairy, without putting herself in a passion. Well then, since you have so little breeding and are so disobliging, I give you for gift that at every word you speak there shall come out of your mouth a snake or a toad. 
So soon as her mother saw her coming, she cried out, Well, daughter? Well, mother? answered the pert hussy, throwing out of her mouth two vipers and two toads. Oh, mercy, cried the mother. What is it I see? Oh, it is that wretch her sister was occasioned all this. But she shall pay for it. And immediately she ran to beat her. The poor child fled away from her and went to hide herself in the forest, not far from thence. The king's son, then on his return from hunting, met her and seeing her so very pretty, asked her what she'd done there alone and why she cried. Alas, sir, my mamma has turned me outdoors. The king's son, who saw five or six pearls and as many diamonds come out of her mouth, desired her to tell him how that happened. She thereupon told him the whole story. And so the king's son fell in love with her, and considering with himself that such a gift was worth more than any marriage portion whatsoever in another, conducted her to the palace of the king, his father, and there married her. As for her sister, she made herself so much hated that her own mother turned her off. And the miserable wretch, having wandered about a good while without finding anybody to take her in, went to a corner in the wood and there died.